0: Clap your hands like you mean it tonight. He is worthy, worthy, worthy. Turn to your neighbor and smile and tell them they look really good tonight. Thankful for your presence here on this Wednesday night. I got a picture update from our Silvertones and they just kind of rubbed it in. All the good fun they're having in Branson. So when they get home, we're going to have to make sure they spend a lot of extra time in prayer. They're probably going to have to pray through over a lot of things and we want to help them. Amen. So glad that you're here tonight good to have my dear friend, Brother Milligan, from Harlingen, uh, San Benito. Uh, we had our last joint board meeting, General Board approved a new district, the Central Texas District, at conference, and he is going in a different direction, so we had our first, last joint board meeting uh, Monday and Tuesday. I ask him to stay over and be with us tonight. I appreciate him. I appreciate the work that he's done in San Benito and has built a beautiful, beautiful building there. Thankful for that. Our children are going to slip out. Our young people are going to go. While they're doing that, why don't you get your Bibles ready? Because I know he's got something good from the Word of the Lord tonight. Amen. One more time, smile at somebody and tell them I have the Holy Ghost. What about you? Amen, Brother Milligan, come and take your liberty tonight. Glad that you're here. Amen.
1: Praise the Lord, everyone. I now have the challenge of trying to bring all of our minds together. Because now that we've heard about Branson, we are all in our minds over there. So by the help of the Lord, certainly if not of my own accord, but by the help of the Lord, I can bring us back together. So good to be here tonight in Greater Life Church. So good to be with my dear, dear friends Pastor and First Lady Hughes. These are just precious, precious people. And uh, you are blessed beyond measure to have this couple as the pastor of this church and the First Lady of this congregation. Amen? Amen? Now, he stated that because of The will of men. I will no longer be a part of the South Texas district. It was not my idea, but serving as the presbyter over the Rio Grande Valley, I left it up to the men of that area to decide which area they felt worked best for them logistically and all of those things. And uh, I, I did not give my personal opinion. I did vote when it came time to vote, but I did not give my personal opinion because I believe I'm there to represent the brethren. And uh, they decided to go with the new district. So don't hold that against me, please. You know, the longer I stay in Texas, the more it seems like I've got against me. Down in the valley, I'm a gringo from the Midwest. To all of you Texans, I'm a Yankee. Now I'm in another district. (laughs) Just keeps piling up. As long as you won't hold that against me, I think we'll all make it to heaven and we'll get something good out of it tonight. I can't help that I was born up north. I got here as quick as I could, okay? At 18, I made my way to Houston, to Texas Bible College, and I've not gone back since. So once I got to Texas, I have decided to stay in Texas. Let's turn in the word of the Lord to the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 28. I want to congratulate each and every one of you on your new building plans. The last time I was here, it was during the anniversary services and y'all had gone through a hurricane and were trying to put things back together. And uh, I know it's been a long journey, folks. But keep fighting the good fight of faith. Amen? Greater things are in store. I remember being here and emceeing that Sunday morning service. And I remember admonishing you that I believe that your name is not just a name, but it's a destiny for the kingdom of heaven, for this area, for end time revival and turning our world upside down for the sake of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 17, verse number 28. For in him we live and move and exist The Amplified says, that is, in him we actually have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. For the next few moments, I want to speak to us on this subject. Truth or chaos? Truth or chaos? I believe we are standing... In one of the greatest hours of the church age. And although we may not be enduring the things that the early church endured to preserve and to profess and to project truth to every human being, I do believe that the kingdom is suffering much violence and we're going to be violent in truth. We're going to be, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to be violent in truth. Now, don't y'all take that the wrong way and cause him any more work, okay? I believe it's time for truth to triumph God bless you. You may be seated. Our culture has been led in a direction for a long time where once accepted truths have been cast off. This chaos and confusion, thank you so much, is based on, On one fundamental principle. The rejection of absolute nature of truth. The result is chaos and darkness. Romans 1 and 21 says their foolish heart was darkened. Romans 11 and 10 says let their eyes be darkened. Ephesians 4 and 18 says having the understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Whatever one must do and accept to embrace darkness is the call of the hour. Lie, deceive, corrupt. The end justifies the means. Self-interest, opinions, personal agenda is the hallowed idolatry of our day. We've seen this played out recently and seems like almost every week in our political realm and in other segments of our lives. And unfortunately, it has even moved into the religious arena. Chaos is the option when the principle of absolute truth is rejected. If there is no absolute truth, there is nothing truly evil and wrong unless it is hostile to our worldview. Truth is costly in that it requires confrontation or it suffers the consequences. We've heard the saying truth or consequence. Tonight it's truth Or chaos. Truth is absolute. Its application often leaves many things to be exposed for what they are because of what they are not. It is an accepted principle today that a person can so believe the lie that they have accepted and told for so long that it now becomes truth In their own mind. What ensues is a sound like a narrative that affirms us, however, that in the reality of truth we are shown to be a fraud. Because we have distorted truth through the chaotic consequences of our choices to compromise truth. And the result is chaos. I don't know if you listen to Dr. Dobson's program here a while back. He had George Barna on and Barna had done a recent survey and I have a hard time holding on because I believe that there are a lot of us truth-marching and believing individuals, and I saw all of your young people in here, and I, I believe that, that we have a great group of young people who believe in truth and are marching in truth and are embracing truth and want truth. But I'm just going to share with you some of the results of, of a recent survey as he surveyed the millennials that were born from 1984 on into 2000. And in his survey, it states here that only 4% of millennials hold a biblical worldview. 4% of the polled millennials believe in a biblical worldview. That means 96% of this generation does not believe in an absolute truth. And we wonder why we're seeing what we're seeing. By definition, if nothing is invariably true, then neither is the authenticity of God's Word, nor the divinity of Christ, the existence of God, the reality of sin, the promise of eternal life for believers, and a prospect of hell, or the other fundamentals in the doctrine of Christianity. Here recently. In my prayer time. And then in the last few weeks. Uh, I've been doing a series of study. Concerning. a man's spirit. And the different types of. Spirit that we need to, we need to have the Holy Spirit, but then there's types of Spirit in God's Word that we need to possess and, and, and we need to, we need to have the Spirit of Hope and we need to have an also Spirit that says, like Rebecca, I'll not only give you a drink, but I'll also water all your camels. There's a lot of spirits that we as a, as a, a New Testament church need to, to have and I've been going through these different spirits and and the the Lord really prodded me one day in prayer. And, and he asked me this question. He said, when's the last time you talked about hell? I just kind of, when, when he starts doing that, I've been doing this a little while. When I was younger, I would just try to come up with a real good answer. The older I get, I just want to Listen. And then he asked me, how long has it been since you talked about heaven? And then this was the clincher. I mean, I got two strikes on me now. It's the bottom of the ninth. And I ain't got a clue what he's fixing to throw. And he asked me this. He says, when's the last time you preached on the rapture? So the poor folks at T.P. San Benito have been hearing all three of them as much as I can possibly fit it into every sermon. Because there's a lot of wonderful things that we need to preach and it's all God's truth and we all need to hear it and embrace it. But there needs to be a time, amen, that we need to look into the word of the Lord and we need to look ourselves eyeball to eyeball in that mirror and say, am I ready for the rapture? I believe I am, I talk about it, I shout about it, we sing about it, but I'm gonna look inside here and do I really believe the absolute truth of eternity? You see, those who reject absolute truth have nothing more substantial to cling to than the postmodern, secular, humanistic, socialistic worldviews that are devoid of meaning and purpose. I don't know about you, but this characterization of our millennials is alarming. And deeply concerning to me as a minister of the gospel. Barna goes on to say that four out of five of these young adults are unsure of the, their eternal destiny. Four out of five are unsure of their eternal destiny. The overwhelming majority have no biblical answers to life's questions, such as whether or not there is a God or whether Jesus is his son and whether there is life after death or how a person can achieve it or whether we will all someday be held accountable for the way that we have lived on earth. Many millennials have decided that there is no moral compass To use as a guide. If you're a parent of a millennial, this is what our children are being bombarded with in all their circles that they socialize in. Sadly, marriage for millennials is often held in low regard. Premarital sex is simply for fun and games. Infidelity is frequently seen as no big deal. Monogamy is considered old-fashioned and out-of-date. Commitment comes and goes. And so we have a group and a society that is frazzled in the foundation of relationships. Time and space does not allow me to continue on in this, but... I wanted to somehow prod our minds a little bit in this message on truth or chaos. Truth or chaos. The writer is very clear. Truth. Truth is more than just something we talk about. Truth is more than something that we just regurgitate. I am a fourth generation Pentecostal. I did not know my great-grandmother and great-grandfather, but I was told, and history proves it to be true, that they were the pioneer starters of the church in my hometown in Taylorville, Illinois. Knowing how God works and how mantles and things are transferred from generation to generation, it is, it is very clear to me where the pioneering spirit to start a new home missions work in San Benito came from it isn't something i just came up with but it was transferred amen down through generations even though my grandmother was not in church until she was in her 60s and then came back to god and a generation had been had been uh, skipped but thank god my mother whose parents were going through a divorce Back in the 50s when it was not popular in a little bitty town of about seven or 8,000 people where everybody knows everything that's going on. And it so affected her so much that she could not stay at home. And she moved out into an apartment downtown on her own, went to work for Kroger and continued her high school year there at the high school. But it was during that time that she came in contact but the Pentecostal preacher was buying groceries there where she was a checker. And they invited her to church. And she made her way to the house of God. And there she found a Savior, a Lord, a Redeemer, a Counselor. Someone that made her feel like she was not damaged, that she was worth something and what her parents could not hold together. There was a God in heaven and a word of truth that could give her a foundation that she could walk on, that she could understand that there was divine destiny for her life. Never underestimate what the foundation of truth can do. If we'll just stand on it and live it and be it to those who cross our path. See, when we accept and conform to the absolute truths of God and his word, the result is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Acts 17 and 28 says, For in him we live and move and exist. I love what the Amplified, it says, we actually have him in our being. Folks, I don't want to just talk in tongues, but I do believe what Paul said. I talk in tongues more than y'all. But I want to be a tongue talker. I want to be a person of character, integrity, amen, and relationship with Jesus Christ. But I want to also be able by my life, my representation for this world that is in chaos and believes that truth does not matter. To look and to see that there is still a people of God that is marching on in truth day by day by day. Faith is to the Christian life what walking is to a human. How many of you like to walk after work or in the evening? Or maybe you're a morning walker. You like to walk. Awesome. Do you know that walking is so mechanical... And energetically complicated that we actually, if we actually had to think our way through each element involved, we would never move again. I mean, think about that for a moment. We all walked from our vehicles, the parking lot. We walked through. Hopefully nobody tripped over anything. Stumbled. Had anybody say anything derogatory to you and made fun of you. But walking, according to physicians and the way that it takes place, it is mechanical and energetically complicated. We never think to walk. Just natural. But how many of us watched our children try to walk for the first time? wasn't quite that easy, was it? So that means for every one of us that it's so easy tonight, there was a time in our life when it wasn't so easy. I have a brother who pastors in East Tennessee, and he has his youngest, Henry. And uh Henry's quite a character. He is the final arrow in a full quiver for my brother. But Henry, so, so crazy. We're so far apart, we don't get to see each other very much. And the first time I saw Henry, he was already many months old. and And we showed up over there and we came in. And, of course, all the kiddos came around and all the highs and the jumps and the arms and all that good stuff and all the questions, what would you bring me? They're smart cookies. And then all of a sudden I said, where's Henry? My brother said, Henry, come here, Henry. Uncle Jay's here. Come on, Henry. Henry had never met me before. All of a sudden, I'm looking for Henry to come waddling through a doorway on the way over there. He's old enough that he should be walking. But Henry has found out that he can set on his derriere with one hand and scoot sideways faster than he can walk. And I mean, I told my brother, I said, yeah, it would be you that would have a child that would be a personal Swiffer. I mean, there's no dirty floors with Henry. I mean, he's, he's literally cleaning everywhere that he goes. And I mean, he come around the corner. I mean, I mean, doing 90 to nothing, man, just pushing himself and scooting across there and moving so fast. And I told my brother, I said, tell him to get up and walk to me. He goes, he won't. I said, you gotta be kidding me. He goes, no, we've tried. We stand him up. We, we do everything. He'll take a few steps. He'll fall down and then over. He'll scoot all over the place. See, Henry didn't not want to walk because he couldn't because it wasn't as convenient as scooting was. Now Henry doesn't walk. He runs. And I wish I could somehow sit down with Henry and say, Now, bud, just remember, all that time you were scooting all over the place, you could have been doing this. You see, we don't think about walking. But according to what it takes for us to take a step and then another step, it is one of the most mechanical, energetically complicated acts that our body ever does. Well, faith is to the Christian life what walking is to a human being. Walking may be the most commonly physically activity for the human species. It takes us to food, work, friends, and it contributes to physical fitness. But faith is the signature element of Christianity. It takes us where we are going. You are here tonight because faith resides in your life. You didn't have to tell yourself, I believe I will have faith. You just said, it's time to go to the house of the Lord. It's time to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. So faith got us up and walked us into this place today. And faith is going to walk us out of here. you are saved by grace through faith. Faith is the mechanism where grace is accomplished. Faith. Faith. Just a little bit of faith. You don't need a whole lot. Just use what you got. Faith. 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 Such a beautiful little song that when the little ones are up here singing it, It's the greatest thing since sliced bread. But it is our truth. It should not be minimized. It should not be neglected. It should not be cast off. It is the mechanism by which truth moves forward. Faith is the mechanism of motivation, locomotion, and movement in Jesus Christ. If we move, we live and we have our being. If we move, we live and we have Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not here to be your pastor tonight. I'm here to admonish and encourage you. You have got to be further along in your faith journey than you were last month, last year, when you came into God. We had faith to believe if we went down in water, all of our sins are going to be washed away, never to ever be remembered again. Well, that is the beginning of the mechanism of this energetically complicated mechanism called the walk of faith. We are in Christ and he is in us. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are the only reason that it's not more chaotic than it is. We're the only reason why there's some semblance of sanity still on planet earth. Because truth is planted. His spirit, his leading, his plan, his kingdom. We are in him and he is in us. There are so many things that faith requires that if we overthink it, we'll just quit walking. if 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 you get too caught up in all of it just let it work just step out in it how many times have you ever stepped out in faith in a holy ghost boldness and he left you high and dry has he ever Left. It may not have gone the way you wanted it to go, but his way is greater and better and more divine and more purpose-filled than my way. So I don't need to overthink this. I just need to step up and step forward and say, you know what, Lord? Amen. I believe you will. You did. You can and you will. So for a moment here, let's, let's look at this statement. Walking is so mechanical and energetically complicated that if we actually had to think our way through each element involved, we might never move again. And let's look at how that affects faith. People try to break down all kinds of Arenas of faith and definitions of faith and isolate things away from it and exclude. And I'm all for Bible study and, and depth and, and man, work out your salvation and, 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 and do and, and study. Don't depend just on what you get in the house of God. Have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Get, do a word study. Do all of those things. I'm not against any of that. Sometimes that old saying, it's time to put up or shut up. Right? Faith is what I will always put up. And when I always put up and out and forward faith, God is there to shut up all the doubters, the enemy, all the lies, All of those that distort truth and filled with chaos. He's going to fight our battles. We're saved by grace through faith. You believe that? How many of you believe faith believes? Faith professes. Faith repents. Faith baptizes. Faith obeys. Faith prays. Faith gives. And faith forgives. It's the spirit of faith. It's the walk of faith. It's the fruit of faith. It's not work. It's not a discipline. It's a natural byproduct of belief in truth. If there are any sick among you, let them call for the elders, anointing them with oil. And the prayer of faith shall save them. It's just simply putting your hand on a person's forehead, oil on it and saying in the name that is above all names, in the name that has never failed, in the name that still stands true, in the name that still reigns, in It's the truth of the name. God incarnate, working. <laughs> That's not work. That's a privilege. We are a product of faith-filled spirit as a child of a believer in Christ. People get lost in the long laundry list of what the Bible teaches, commands, requires people to think and Again, I'm not denouncing any of that, but sometimes you just got to stand forth in truth and let faith. Divide asunder and set in order and place it as God's destiny designs it. The spirit of faith can. I said the spirit of faith can. Truth will. Faith can truth will, faith can. We've just got to step in and say, here am I, Lord. Use me. Use me. If it's in the supermarket, if it's at the hospital, wherever it is, Lord, just use me. I may not be able to point to a scripture, but I do know how to point, amen, to the author and the finisher of my faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Philippians 2, verses 12 through 14. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God... Which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Both to will and to do his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. If God be for us, Who can be against us? A chaotic world of millennials that are being indoctrinated so that truth is not absolute anymore. Is that going to stop the church in these final days? No. This is the way I look at it. And I know those statistics are very alarming and very sobering at the same time. But this is the way I look at it. My God, what a ripe Harvest field of opportunity. You want to know why they don't believe in an absolute truth? Because everywhere they've looked, something has failed them. Something has betrayed their trust. Something has broken. Something has failed. What an opportunity for the apostolic Pentecostals of 2018 to march forward in the truth of God's word. All else is sinking sand, but on Christ, the solid rock, I'll stand. Let me talk to you, you don't believe any of this stuff is it? Let me talk to you about what God can do. I don't believe in a God. okay? let just get just just humor me for a moment. You see the reason why? They don't believe in anything is because they've grasped for everything and nothing has been solid in their life. Am I talking to anybody in this place tonight? You remember when you came to God. You were rocked to and fro. You were tossed by every wind of doctrine. You didn't know... (laughs) You came into the house of God and a song was sung and a word was preached and you begin to feel something that was solid and steadfast and all of a sudden faith began to rise inside of you and you were like, I've tried everything else and everything else has failed. But I, I feel something about to birth in my spirit to take one more leap of faith and try something one more time. God, it is His will to do His good pleasure through us. In Matthew chapter 19, as I bring this to a close tonight, truth or chaos, the question is asked in this setting, Jesus and His disciples, Matthew chapter 19, verses 23 through 26. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? And Jesus beheld them, verse 26, and said unto them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You see, the reason why we have a chaotic culture in our world today is because they look to the things Of man and their own abilities, their own talents, their own ideologies, their own reasonings. And when they come to the end of all of that, they look at it and they say, this life is impossible. So because it is impossible, then I'm just going to do whatever I think is right. I'll define my own truth. And I'll just answer to me, myself and I. As the disciples were exceedingly amazed, perplexed, engaged in this, this word of truth that Jesus has just thrown it in, into their hearts. And they too know about the impossibilities of what man and carnality is and can and will always be. We hear it and we see it today. The doubt of the disciples are expressed in the words of Jesus. Can anyone be saved? Greater Life Church, you have a divine destiny that was placed upon you before he ever said, Let there be light. The hope of God's will and divine destiny for every one of us seated in this building. God placed it in his mind and his intellect and solidified it and predestined it before the worlds were even formed. So how are we going to do it? We're going to do it through truth. It's, they're not interested in what I think about things anymore. But they are interested in truth. They're searching for truth. They're seeking for something solid to stand on that won't change next week or next year or next month or the next political cycle. They're looking for something solid. In Greater Life Church, you have it. Turn to your neighbor and say, we have it. As you stand with me tonight. With man, it is impossible. With God, it is possible. Faith. Projected forth from a foundation of truth. It will make us walk right, talk right, live right, pray right, and stay right. Whatsoever is not of faith, the Scripture says, is sin. First John 5 and 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this Is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith, truth, or chaos. I don't want you to get down. I don't want you to get discouraged. I don't want you to feel like the task is so great. I just don't see like we're moving the needle any. Yes, you are. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. Before I walked in here, I walked out of your pastor's office and walked by the drawings of your new congreg- of your new sanctuary. And I asked him, what's it going to seat? He told me. I said, what were you seating? And he told me. The reason why y'all are not just building another building, to be better than what you had is because truth perpetuates faith in your shepherd. Every time he opens the Bible and truth is expounded unto him to be delivered to this congregation, faith begins to rise in his heart. I can't build what we already got. I got to build more because it's What I'm hoping for because I believe truth will triumph even in the midst of chaos. Lift your hands unto the Lord. Let's worship Him right now. Love Him with all of your heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: hallelujah. Amen. In the Middle East where the Landscape is constantly in flux. The sands that move, the winds that blow. They say the only thing that it takes to stop the drift is a rock, an unmovable object. And I think in the culture that we live in that is in constant flux, I think it still remains that there is a rock that cannot be moved. And we're going to stand on that rock. We're going to live that truth. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't know about you, but I want to stand on the rock that will not move. Amen. Amen. Let's lift our voice to the Lord and love him right now. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. Find two or three people and hug their neck and tell them you want to see them here Sunday, but not by themselves. Bring somebody with you and let's fill this place up. In Jesus' name, amen.